So Greetings chapter 5 will be our text for this morning. While you're turning there, if you would try to remember to pray for uh, Pastor Brian Spicer up in Bill Ricca, Bay State Baptist Church. His father passed away the day before yesterday. And uh, even though it's expected, uh, it's still tough. So uh, message him and he seems to, he's, he's doing well. But uh, for those of you who've walked that road, you know uh, what it's like. And those of you who haven't, uh, just pray that God would give peace to that family. <clears throat> Today we start a new series. Uh, going to be kind of a, just a few weeks long. Uh, we're talking about a topic that we have been talking about over the last year or so, something that we've uh, reinstituted here at New Life and something that we are uh, getting uh, stronger at. I'm getting a little bit of echo back. And we're going to be talking about missions we we'll be talking about uh, missions, what missions is all about. The title of the series is Be Reconciled to God, because that's what's been given to us as a mission, as Christians. And I think it's important that we as Christians, that we as a church, as individual followers of Christ, understand what missions truly is and what it truly is all about. I think it's obvious that the Bible has a lot to say about missions. <clears throat> We're going to be looking at it from different angles. I have a little bit of a different take on missions. I, my, my, as I said a couple weeks ago, my major in college was, uh, it was it's missions, missionology, but it, it's now it's called cross-cultural studies, but it's the same thing. Um, and I learned a lot about missions, a lot about unreached people groups, the 1040 window, all those things. And we and the traditional missions program is great. And I think what goes on through missions, I'm going to give you some statistics that may seem that the church is falling short in missions. But I think that much has been done in the name of missions and much has been sacrificed and given in the name of missions. But I think as a church, as as the church, we sometimes don't truly understand what missions really is, the full scope, I guess that's a better way to say it, the full scope of what missions is. And in particular, how we view it here and how, how we're, we're, we should be viewing it here and how we're going to move forward as we continue to grow our missions program. Now, <clears throat> We live in a very different world than the one that we all grew up in. Every one of us, even those of you who are on the younger end of the age spectrum, uh, it's a different world than when you were a kid. And I would say that for those of you who are, you know, in your mid to upper 20s and maybe early 30s, the change in society and the change in the world has happened so much more quickly for you and the dramatic change between when you were, <clears throat> when you started in first grade to where your children are now starting and where the world is now is much quicker than when those of us who are not 25, I wasn't pointing at you, Charlie, purposely. Stop, my hand just keeps going that way. I don't understand it. Um, For us, I mean, it's accelerated over the last several years, but it was a long, it was a long progression that you could generally keep up with. 
you had time to get used to things. Nowadays, you don't. You just don't. It changes so fast, and the world has changed so quickly. What used to take our attention and our time and consume much of our productive time <clears throat> can now be done online or on it can be done on a computer. It can be done on a tablet. Think about the things nowadays that, and we say this a lot. Thank you, brother in kingdom there. Thank you, Melvin. Think about the things you do nowadays on your phone that you, that you used to not have a phone to do those things with and how much time it saves you and how much it leaves open for other things. <clears throat> the church is not immune to the advent and the advantages of technology. Technology, I think, is a double-edged sword. I think there's a lot of blessings in technology. I think there are some curses that come with technology and you have to take the good with the bad and you have to know how to balance those and learn how to balance those. You need to really know, let me just say this, um, for all of us, uh, especially those, those of you who are really involved in these kind of things, we need, to we need to learn and know where and how to draw a line. Especially when it comes to social media and things like that. Uh, we say it jokingly a lot, but it really is true. Just because it's online doesn't mean it's true. <clears throat> Just because I, the, the, the latest thing out there is citizen reporters. You've seen that? Citizen reporters. They aren't bound by any kind of uh, ethics rules. They can say whatever they want. Nobody's checking them. And they could basically say whatever they want. And they can have their own blog or their own video, uh, their own um, podcast. They can say whatever they want. That's their right. But you know what? It's also your right to <laughs> reject what they have to say and to ex ex exercise a little bit of common sense and also to exercise some biblical understanding about what's going on. So I think there's a lot of good that's going on, but I think that we need to be able to uh, know where to draw that line. Over the last 20 months, uh, with such a massive shift in society, think about it. I mean, I know we talk about this, and this is very present in our lives. I think it's important that we talk about it. I think it's important that we look at it because it affects everything we do in our daily lives. What, is, what has gone on since the, the uh, beginning of the pandemic and how life has changed. Many times, in, in many situations, life has changed permanently. And we're still trying to play catch up. But I think it's incredibly important that we take some time and stop and analyze what is going on in our lives, what is going on in society, and how that applies to us, and how it applies, especially for those of us who are followers of Christ, how it applies to the church. Now, quite honestly, I mean, with, with all honesty and all truthfulness, the church, this church right here, New Life Church, survived the pandemic because of technology. There's no, no way around it. No way around it. The reason we survived this, other than, and you understand what I'm saying, it's God was the power, God was the direction. But the reason that we continued to be able to exist and continue to be able to reach out and do the things we did was because of modern technology. Had we not taken advantage of those things, there's many churches that didn't survive because they, they would not embrace what is there for them to help them out. 
new ways of outreach and ministries have been created because of wise use of social media. <laughs> but then there's a downside. How many of you follow, what, what is that? Instagram, right? How many of you follow the church on Instagram? How many of you had to follow the new Instagram account? Because our old Instagram, was it two weeks ago? Who's here that's a, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, our Instagram account was hacked. How many of you got a Bitcoin, ad, a Bitcoin advertisement, invitation, whatever? I'm noticing a trend in all of this, and it's people that are like young <laughs> that are saying, yes, Instagram. That's the downside. The downside is that there are nefarious folks out there who don't really care if you're a church, don't really care if you're trying to do something beneficial for society and reach out to people with the love of Jesus Christ. All they want to do is make a buck. So we have to be careful, even though there's a, there's a positive side, and even though we've done some great things because of social media, there's also a negative side. And we have to be aware of those things. <clears throat> I say all that to say this. No matter how much progress is made in the area of technology, no matter how many screens we put up in front of people, the gospel message is still the same and people are one to Jesus in the same old fashioned way that they always have been one to Jesus. One on one, person by person. You see what the temptation can be when, when technology comes out, when, it makes, when it's made so much easier for us to do things is to now rely on those things to do the job for us. One, as, as a... As an older father with young children, and my wife is on board. She's not old. She's very young, but she's on board with this as well. One of the things that I really, we, we struggle with in our home, and we make sure that our sons uh, understand it, is their handwriting is incredibly important. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to you. I do wish that they'd teach cursive in school still, but... What happens when the lights go out? What happens when the power goes down? You still need to have those basic, basic skills in life to be able to do things. And I think that that's important. Now, we can take advantage of technology, but understand that it has its limits as well. And we come, when it comes to missions, all of these new things that we can do and all the ways we can stay connected, which are incredibly beneficial. Those of you who follow Craig Alsop on, online and the little neighbors with the, um, um, the macabres down in Paraguay, it's awesome to keep track of them. It's awesome to see what they're doing. But we have to understand that down in Paraguay, the macabres aren't just doing blogs. They aren't just doing video presentations. They're working one-on-one -on -one with children in the foster care system, with families who need assistance, with government officials, and they are doing the one-on-one -on -one work of the gospel that needs to be done. Same thing with Craig. He just went over to Africa for a mission uh, over there. That's still necessary. The one-on-one the, the -on -one connection with people is still incredibly necessary. And we need to understand that and remember that no matter how far we go, no matter how much we learn, no matter how much technology makes our lives easier, 
the mission of the gospel, the message of the gospel, is still a one-to-one, person-to-person message. It still requires us as individuals to make a choice, to make a sacrifice, and to take action. Missions cannot be made into an app. It cannot be boiled down to a post. Missions is manual labor. Our reach can be enhanced and broadened, and we can make and keep connections through social media, but even if it's virtual, missions requires us to be personally involved, to be committed. It demands our attention. And there's a whole different, there's a whole bunch of different facets when it comes to the missions program. And that's the next four or five weeks. That's what we're going to be talking about, the different parts of missions. And we're not just to listen, this isn't a money grab. Okay. This isn't about getting involved in faith promise. If you want to, I I mean, I'm, I'm just so I'm blown away by this church and its heart for missions. Uh, you can, you, you always say, for those of you who don't know, Mary Rowe back here is our, is our treasurer. She took over for my father. And Mary can tell you how the mission, she can't tell you who gives what. That's only one person in the church knows that, and he's not telling. <laughs> but Mary can tell you how the missions program is doing. I'll tell you it's doing very well. And I'll tell you this, there is, mo- there is enough money in the missions account right now to where we can send out our monthly support for the month of December and include a special love Christmas gift to each one of our missionary families. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the way the church has really uh, bought into the missions program. But money isn't what it's all about. There are many more aspects of missions. And we'll see that. Over these next five weeks, we'll see what else is involved in missions. Now, our text is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. If you would stand with me as we read God's word this morning. Very familiar passage, especially verse, chapter 5, verse 17. We hear that, and, uh, and, and we know that. Many of us could claim it. And honestly, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is, the, is our go-to verse when we screw up many times, right? When we, when we struggle in life, that's our go-to. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. The old is passing away. We're, we're, we're putting behind us those things of the flesh, those deeds of life, of the sinful past of our lives. Hopefully, we're putting them away. We still struggle with them, but we're gaining victory through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're gaining victory over these things in our lives. The new life has come. Now, that isn't a sentence that just stands alone by itself. That is a statement that is followed by an explanation, beginning of verse 18. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, if you underline your Bible, if you highlight in your Bible, I would, that's, that's one I would highlight, ministry of reconciliation. Ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. You may be seated. He has committed the ministry of reconciliation to us. You know what that is? Very quickly. He has committed the ministry of reconciliation. He has given us a mission. 
He has given us a mission. As life progresses, as we go on, as we grow, as we learn, as we become who God has for us to be in this world, as the Holy Spirit begins to work in our hearts and show us what is wrong in our lives, our, our, uh, where our, our, um, our focus is off. And as he begins to hone and direct and change and knock off the rough edges and make us more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, he says, I'm working on you so that you can work on the world. I am making and strengthening and helping you become a better you, become more of a picture of me, not me, of him, <laughs> becoming more conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. Why? Because once again, he says, if I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. How do you lift Jesus up? Not by standing on a street corner on a soapbox quoting scripture. By allowing the change that the Holy Spirit wants to bring about in your life to happen. Well, listen, it's not going to happen overnight. Some things might. Some things may go away quickly, and they may stay away permanently. Want to know stuff about that? I talked to my father about his battle when he was a young man with cigarettes. And when he gave them up, he never went back. Amazing story. But some of the struggles and some of the battles we have are going to be lifelong battles and lifelong struggles. It's not the failure that defines us. It's the victory that we gain every day. Every day. I love the one day at a time mantra because that's so important for all of us. One day at a time. One day at a time. Listen, and, and that's biblical. Not looking forward, not looking backward, focusing on today. G, uh, Paul says, I, I, I leave those things behind that have held me back. The chains. Listen, some of you were embarrassed by your past. Okay, that's between you and God. But I'll tell you what, you better never block that past out of your life. Because that past is the reason you're where you're at right now. And the lessons you can learn from your past make you a better follower of Christ. And as you've learned those lessons and as you sit down, sometimes, I don't know if you do this, sometimes sit down and see the path that God has taken you through and how he has sustained you in times of great struggle and see exactly what it was he was doing through you and in you to get you to that point. Man, when you can do that, when you can say, these are the changes that are brought about in me. This is how these changes came about. Then you can say, I can now be a witness to others. I can begin my mission of lifting Jesus up to the world. Why is it so important that we understand we have a ministry of reconciliation? Why is it so important that we know and understand what we've been called to do, what has been left for us to do once we accept Christ as our Savior? Not only are you to work on yourself, but you're to work on and in and with and for the world on behalf of Jesus Christ, saying, be reconciled to God. 
By the way you live your life, be reconciled to God. By the way you speak to others, be reconciled to God. By the way you conduct yourself at work, be reconciled to God. By the way you represent yourself as a family in public, be reconciled to God. By the way you attend church and the way you get involved in your church and the way you buy into all things Jesus, you're saying to the world, he made this change in me. He's continuing to make a change in me. You be reconciled to God and he can do the same thing for you. You see, it's not about social change. The church is not supposed to be a place where, uh, where activists come and be active. That's not what the church is. You want to be a, a, an activist? There's a whole world out there waiting to hear your, your, your statements, and there's a whole world looking to put on a new, ba- a new bracelet of a different color because everybody has a cause. Your cause as a follower of Jesus Christ is him. It's lifting him up. Now, you know how else you you lift Jesus up to people? By being a good citizen. By paying your taxes. By following... Listen, I just saw a kid that was in my college ministry out in Missouri... He posted something totally anti-government now. I'm telling you, I mean everything. Everything, totally anti-government. And his supporting scripture was, do not be conformed to this world. I said, dude. (laughs) I could still use that phrase. Dude. I don't think that verse means what you say it means. That's not, because you can't then go and, and, and follow, the, follow that up with a scripture that says God has instituted government and God has placed government over humanity. There's not, Jesus, did you know this? Jesus himself paid taxes. Listen, I don't like it. I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't like paying taxes. How many of you love to pay your taxes? Listen, man, that's like 22% of your income. And that's just out of your paycheck. I'm not a happy man when I see that. That is zero fun. You know what's even less fun? Is realizing that at the gas pump, I'm paying an extra 50 cents for taxes. Or when I go, which one is it in Massachusetts? Is it food that's untaxable or clothes? Clothes are not taxed. We're fortunate because we live right next to Connecticut, and Connecticut and Massachusetts are one and the other. So you can go shopping for one and then shopping for the other, and maybe that's changed now. I don't know. Okay. See, that's why I don't run for office, because I have no clue. All right? But I don't like paying taxes. I don't know anybody that does, and if you do, God love you. You could pay my share. But you know what? I pay taxes. You know why? Because I'm an American citizen and I enjoy, I enjoy roads. I enjoy, my mom is over here in the Taj Mahal uh, at the, uh, the, the rehab center right around the corner, East Long Meadows Skilled Nursing Facility. I was very happy, very, very happy that my sister Donna was able to get on the phone and call 911. 
And not one, but two ambulances showed up with four paramedics to take care of my mom. You know, those people don't do it out of the goodness of the heart. Now, they do it out of good hearts. But my taxes and your taxes pay for that. They pay for the police. Don't really care what your, uh, what your position is on that. It's, we need police in our society. We need honest police. We need good police. We need men and women who will not abuse their authority. But we do need order in our society. Very, very happy to see our society being orderly and for the most part decent. I'm glad that my two youngest boys have a school to go to. My taxes pay for that. So whether we like it or not, these are things that we are required to do because the Bible says so. Jesus himself said, give to Caesar that that is Caesar's and to God that that is God's. Those of you who don't support ministry, let me just say this, okay? I'm just going to say it. Those of you who don't support ministry but pay your taxes, you're not following completely the command of God. Okay? He says to support, he says to give your money to the government that is required. And by the way, it doesn't place a limit on that. You can always vote that out at the ballot box. Okay? But government is there. But, and, and Jesus, funny thing. Jesus was born into a society that was enslaved to the Roman Empire, and he never once rose up against his government. And I think the Roman government was a whole lot worse to its people that weren't Roman citizens than America is right now. But I'm off that soapbox, okay? We are required, we, we are told that if we're going to lift Jesus up, that being good citizens is important. One of the things that had, one of the, I, I, I'm going to use him again because he's, he's a great example. Melvin Edwards, I love the fact that he is a servant's heart. He serves his community. You know one of the things that he doesn't get enough press for and people don't know a whole lot about him? He started um, Keep Springfield Beautiful. And the whole idea was to go around picking up trash in a city. It's amazing. You talk about being a good citizen. You talk about caring. I, one of the things I used to hate in the army was police call. Used to hate police call. Police call is not what you think it is. Police call was lining up in a line and walking through a parking lot or a field and picking up trash. I'm not a smoker, never been a smoker, can't stand cigarettes, don't like it a bit. And I'd be walking that parking lot and I'd walk by a cigarette butt. It happened to me twice. And my sergeant looked at me and says, Specialist Chase, pick that cigarette butt up. I said, I didn't smoke it. It's not mine. <laughs> I don't give a bleep, 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 what you think. Pick it up. Okay. <laughs> I'll pick it up. <sighs> because that was the right thing to do. Okay. By doing the right thing, no matter what the situation, we're lifting Jesus up. We are saying to the world, be reconciled to God because he has changed my life. He has changed my, my angry spirit. He has changed my rebellious spirit into one that is following his will. He can do the same for you. Be reconciled to God. 
What is that ministry of reconciliation? Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 13. It says, for, who, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Powerful verse. For those of you who know the Romans road, that is like the, the, uh, the end of the Romans road. You take people to Romans 10, 9 and Romans 10, 13. For whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is what you have to do to accept Jesus as your Savior. Pray and ask him into your heart. All right, that's, that's the Romans road. But it goes on. It's not just one verse that stands out. He goes on. And as Paul goes on in this passage, the responsibility that lays on us as followers of Christ, as individuals, comes into focus. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach except they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. <clears throat> it's all well and good to believe in salvation, to believe that that's exactly what every individual needs. It's a whole other thing to realize it's your responsibility. It's a whole other side of the coin to realize that each and every one of us is a minister of Jesus Christ. Each and every one of us has the responsibility to be involved at some level in missions. Paul asks very rhetorically, how can they preach unless they are sent? The answer, they can't. How will they hear without someone sharing the gospel? The answer is, they won't. Therefore, it's on us to take up the mantle of the ministry of reconciliation and get involved at some level in missions. Let me tell you this. Once again, it's not a money grab. It's a responsibility. Because just like all, just like the statement, all politics is local, is true. The statement, all missions is local, is incredibly true for the church. All missions is local. And we'll get into that later on in this series. Missions is the heartbeat of God. And if it's his heartbeat, it should be ours as well. Now, missions is usually viewed as a program in a church that people can contribute to but is always, always carried out by amazingly devoted people who are willing to leave everything behind and answer the call that they tell us about, right? God called me into missions. God called me to go here. God called me to go there. I believe that, man. I believe that if, if you have spent time in prayer and God has given you a peace and it's not your will but his and he has called you to leave behind the life you know, to follow a life that is perhaps vague and indefinable. And I believe that, that that's the power of God leading you. But missions is more than that. In fact, as I said, all missions is local. Now, before we get into <clears throat> all the responsibilities about missions and what our responsibility is in missions and how we can get involved because that's going to be the bottom line. How can you get involved? And let me tell you this. Let me give, a, give you a preview of coming attractions. You getting involved in, in missions, I'm not going to be saying much at all about you giving to Faith Promise. That will happen. 
If when you see, listen, man, when we when you see missionary families come in, I remember when the Macabs were here back in October. When they were here, man, we were flooded with people. Like, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? I've had so many people ask me since um, Craig Alsop, he, he, he's the man, a uh, guy over, is it Eastern Europe, I believe. <clears throat> and he also does um, mission. He heads up missions trips for Mana. I've had so many people inquire about how we go about doing missions trips. That's exciting stuff. But foreign missions isn't what it's all about. In fact, this church is a missions program in and of itself. And we have to see it that way. Not because we live in the least evangelized metropolitan area of the country, but because what we're supposed to be doing here at New Life is the same thing that, they're so, that, that John Bergen is supposed to be doing over in Scotland. It's the same thing, just in a different location. Therefore, it's incumbent upon us, important to us, and the responsibility lays on us to make a personal commitment to missions of some kind. Let me give you some missions facts. These are facts about missions and the world right now. And most of these are uh, about foreign missions, but it encompasses all of the world, which includes the United States. The global population last count in 2020 of the world is 7.753 billion human beings. The median age, the average age of, of humanity on the earth right now, if you want to feel incredibly old, those of you who uh, are not quanti- qualified as young, the median age throughout the world right now is 29.7 years old. <laughs> That's a whole lot of young folks and not many old folks. Okay, 29.7. Does anybody, is anybody like right there, 29 and a half years old? Yeah, well, that's okay. The life expectancy throughout the world, including all countries taken into, into account, life expectancy is 68 years old. That's not in America. In America, it's much higher. But throughout the world, life expectancy is 68 A breakdown of worldwide missions. Oswald Smith said, we talk of the second coming. Half of the world has never heard of the first. (laughs) We talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ, but literally half the world has never heard about the first coming of Jesus Christ, which we're going to celebrate. And people are saying Christmas is ruined because it's sitting out in the Pacific Ocean on on ships. If that's going to ruin your Christmas, you don't understand what Christmas is all about. Okay. The amount of people group. Now, people groups are, it's not nations. Remember a few, several weeks ago, I preached a message and I talked about uh, the word ethnos. And ethnos means ethnicities or, or tribes, if you will. That's what a people group is. Throughout um, our, our city, the metro area of Springfield Holyoke, there are many different people groups. Okay, there are, there are, over, uh, not to, not to point them out, but over here, there's a people group of people who speak a different language than us. There's a people group over here that speaks a different language. There are, there are people groups throughout our church that are from different cultures. There are people groups throughout our community that are different cultures. And different people groups are, di- are reached in different ways. But in the world right now, as best can be defined by sociologists, 
there are 16,591 different people groups. 16,500. Now, as far as unreached people groups go, or UPGs, if you ever see UPG, that's unreached people groups. Know this, less than 2% of, unre of those people groups are evangelical Christians. Total unreached people groups who have not heard of Jesus Christ, 6,741. So we're not quite at 10,000, and there's still about 40% of the world that still has not heard. The total population of unreached people groups, 3.14 billion people. Now, some of those are entire nations, right? Some of those, if you go over to the Middle East, Muslim countries where Christians are arrested and killed, those are unreached people groups. In China, there are literally hundreds of unreached people groups in China that have never heard the gospel. Throughout the world, in our country alone, there are unreached people groups, people who have never heard Unreached people groups make up 42.2% of the world's population. Now, how about unevangelized people? It's greater than 2%, but still great numbers of unsaved. Total unevangelized people groups, 2,792. That have absolutely never heard. Unreached people groups are people groups that don't have an active missions pro or active church going on. But people who have never heard, almost 3,000 unevangelized people groups, a total of 764 million people in those people groups. The total percentage of the unevangelized make up 11% of the world's population. Reached people groups, there are over 7,000 reached people groups, a population of 3.5 billion, making up 42% of the world's population. Now, what about the church in the world? This is where we, th th when, when we come down to missions, this is where it kind of gets a little hairy, kind of gets a little bit difficult because church is defined by so many different things. And, and the, the phrase church encompasses so many different um, denominations and religious organizations that truly aren't evangelistic. I'm not talking about evangelical. For those, for those of you who get offended when you're classified as an evangelical, I understand where, you're, where, where you feel that way. But understand evangelical uh, comes from the root word evangelize, and that's our mission. So I kind of wear evangelical as a source of pride. I don't have to agree, and I don't even have to um, give credence or credibility to those evangelicals who have lost their minds and are just doing stupid stuff. And there's a bunch of them. But I am a, a follower of Jesus Christ who believes in evangelism. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ who believes it is incumbent upon me not to become wealthy, not to make an impact on my community that uh, earns me a gold star. But my responsibility is to shine the light of Jesus Christ to this world and to mirror his grace to this world so that they can hear and understand about their, the one who died for them and at least have the opportunity to make a decision about him. 
Evangelical Christians total 550 million, give or take, in this world. Evangelicals have grown from about 3 million in A.D. 1500 to 550 million worldwide. Now check this out. Over 54% worldwide of evangelicals are non-white. Okay? So, white folk, get in line. In ministries, there are about 4.19 million full-time Christian workers, and 95% of them are working within the Christian world. There are 900 churches for every one unreached people group. 900 churches for every one unreached people group. Now, that's great. I mean, if you go down to, it's, that, that's kind of a, that's kind of a statistic up here that we don't quite grasp onto. But if you go down south, you go out to the Midwest, go out to the Bible Belt, it's a totally different world. The church I worked at, Seminole Baptist Temple in Springfield, Missouri, that was a church that had a membership somewhere between 1,300 and 2,000. And we were a mid-sized church in Springfield, Missouri, a church of about 150,000. In that metropolitan area, there were, I think, five or six mega churches. A mega church is a church that has 2,000 or more. In fact, the largest church in Missouri, one of the largest churches in the country is right there in, in just on the outskirts of Springfield. And last I knew, they had about 15,000 people in their church. And there are so many evangelical gospel preaching churches in the Springfield, Missouri metropolitan area, which is only the city itself is only 150,000. It's the size of Springfield, Mass. And it doesn't have, it, it's totally different when you go out west. It's not one continuous city. I mean, we've got the mega, megatropolis up here, right? You go from Boston down to uh, Virginia, and it's like one big city. Out there, once you pass the city limits, you live in a county. There's not suburbs, suburb after suburb after suburb. So that 150,000 is about the population. And there were enough evangelical gospel preaching churches in Springfield, Missouri, to where you could not go, not go to a different church every Sunday. You could go to a different church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and not hit the same one twice in a year. And yet we have entire nations, entire people groups that have never heard the gospel. There are 78,000 evangelical Christians for every one unreached people group. Now, and like I said, these statistics are just for reference, just to kind of give us an understanding of what the need is. How about international students? And this brings it home to what I'm talking about and where we're going to be going with this series. Because we do live in, do you realize, and I'll, I'll have the numbers for you in one of these sermons. Do you realize that, that the Springfield Holyoke metropolitan area is a greater mission field than many foreign countries? Seriously. It is a greater mission field than many foreign countries right now. And it's one of the hardest for men and women to get a foothold in and to stay and have staying power. Because many people come up here trying to start a church and because they don't throw a hot dog out and have a crowd of 500 after two months, they go back home. 
That's just the fact of the matter. It's hard work. But is there a way to do foreign missions and local missions without going to a foreign field? How about the facts of international students? There are almost one million international students in the United States each year. I'm not quite sure how many, um, how many colleges there are in our area in, the, in, the, in Western Mass, but there's a lot. There's an awful lot of colleges. We have one, my wife is going to one right down the street, right, Bay Path University. All throughout Springfield, there's, there's colleges. Every one of you lives within shouting distance of a, of a college or university. And many of them have foreign students that come here to go to school. 62% of internationals are from the 1040 window countries. The 1040 window is 10 degrees latitude, 40 degrees longitude around the world. And that's where the vast majority, I think it's 90% of the world lives and 90% of the unreached people groups in this world live. Total number of students from those countries in the United States is over 450,000 from 68 different countries. The top 10 countries that send students, foreign students, to the United States for education, China, India, South Korea, Canada, Taiwan, Saudi Arabia, Japan, Vietnam, Mexico, and Turkey. Why does this matter? 80% of those students will return to their countries having never been invited into an American home. 80% of those international students, of a million students, a million students, what's 80% of that? Is that 8 million? 80% of international students that come to America, that go to colleges, that have Bible preaching evangelical churches within sight or within walking distance of their campus will never be invited into an American home. I hope you see where I'm going with this. We have an incredible opportunity just in that. That's just in one area, man. That's not all of society. That's just one area. Well, what would that matter? Well, let me tell you, if you have some kind of a mission outreach for college students and international students start to join, we've got people that speak different languages here in this church. Take advantage of that. And we evangelize and, and some of those international students come to know Christ. They're going back to their homeland now knowing Jesus as their savior. And rather than having to send, rather than having to put people on deputation and have them learn a language and have them go through all the training that it takes to be a missionary, we now have missionaries that came to know Christ through our local church and are now going back to their homeland. Forty percent, listen to this, of the, 200, of the roughly 220 heads of state in the world, in other words, those who run a country, 40% of them studied in the United States. Half of all the world leaders at one point studied in the United States. I wonder what if when they were here, they were invited to an American home. And I wonder if when they were here, they were exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We missed a great opportunity if, they, if that's not true. Only 10% of international students are reached by ministries 
while in the United States. Oh, maybe they just don't want to come. It's a, they're the ones that don't come to church, Pastor John. Yeah. I think somewhere in the Bible it says go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. You see, it's not their responsibility to drive by and see our sign and get curious. It's our responsibility to go and tell. It's our responsibility to live outside the walls of this church building. And I'll use the vernacular of the day, be the church to them out there. To reach beyond ourselves outside of our comfort zone and reach to them out there. See, this is where creative ministry has to come into play. This is where taking advantage of technology can be a huge, huge opportunity. I'll share one thing that we're, we're actively doing in our church right now. You'll notice over here we have a group that is interpreting. Okay? There, Jamil, I'm sorry, Jamil, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I do. Um, you're, you're taking what I'm saying in English and saying it in Spanish, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Jamil is hearing me in English, and he's translating into Spanish. And the woman, what is her name? Miriam. Miriam? Miriam. Thank you, Miriam. It's good to have you here, and it's good to have all you folks here, okay? Jamil is translating what I'm saying in English into Spanish, so that Miriam can then translate it into sign language. I would tell you folks over here that I would sign for you, but I had a person, I tried, a person told me I had retarded hands, I couldn't learn, okay? So... That's a fact. That's a fact. I tried to learn in something. My brain doesn't connect. So, you know, I'm glad they're here for you. One of the things we're doing right now, and it's actively doing, Jonathan is, is, uh, is making the, the necessary steps, and we're going to implement it, is we are, there is an app. What is it called? Voice? Live Voice. Live Voice. It's an app on your phone. An app. Missions maybe can be made into an app, huh? That app can be downloaded onto their phones, and Jamil is going to be sitting in another room interpreting in Spanish because there are people that speak Spanish that want to come to our church and may come to our church. And they can open that app on their phone and put their headphones on, and they can hear the message in Spanish. And then it can be, Miriam can have the headphones on, and she can be hearing the message interpreted in Spanish, and she could be interpreting it in sign language. We can do that with any language. You can do up to 25 different people on one channel. You know what that, you know what that is? You know what all that is to us as a church? $25 a month. $25 a month. That's, that's, a, that's, that's coffee every day. And we are involved, actively involved in missions in our community, reaching people that we can't reach on our own. I don't speak Spanish. I've tried, I've tried many times to learn sign language. My brain does not process things that way. Many of you do. Hey, maybe you are intrigued by it. Maybe you want to learn how to sign. We can use interpreters. All these things. And we could, there's so many different things we can do with that. But that is reaching out to people. That is local missions. Those are some of the kind of, those are the kind of things we're looking at doing. International students, as I was saying, is another great potential. Well, we don't, 
you know, they're, they're more comfortable speaking their language. We can get an interpreter. <laughs> we, the, we can bridge that gap now. We can bridge that gap. All it takes is, is a desire to follow Jesus Christ, a passion to get the job done, a creative group that comes together and thinks things through and talks about it. That's why, that's why we're having the meetings we're having now. That's why when people have come to me and said, I wanna, I, I, I'm interested in this. Well, let's sit down and talk about it. Let's come up with a plan because I'm not the only one that, that can think of things. There's so many different opportunities, so many different ideas, and all of that falls into the category of missions. Missions doesn't have to be across the, the sea and around the world, although that's a huge part of it. You see, that's where we're going to go. If we as a church neglect our local opportunities and instead focus on opportunities around the world only, we're missing the point and we're giving our community over to growing weeds and becoming unfruitful and being unproductive. The secret to building this church, the secret to growing this church, the secret to reaching this community is for each and every one of us, including me, to gain a burden for God's passion, for God's heartbeat, and that is missions. And to change our paradigm, to change our worldview, to change our vision of what missions truly is and see it for what it actually is. And that is reaching this world in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Folks, I hope that you, I hope that this has kind of inspired you a little bit and intrigued you some, that as we move forward in this series, we'll start to see that the way we reach our community, we have to be different. We have to take advantage of things. We have to think outside the box. And we have to be creative to reach our community with Jesus Christ here and out and, and over there. We'll pick this up next week and I'll be defining for you biblically what missions is. I'll leave you with this quote by Nina Gunter. If you take missions out of the Bible, you won't have anything left but the covers. If you take missions out of the Bible, you won't have anything left but the covers. Let's pray. If, you, if you take missions out of the Bible, you won't have anything left but the covers. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the call on our lives. Lord, I thank you for the responsibility that you've given to us. Father, I thank you for this church and its burden and its passion to reach beyond itself. Father, as we look into the concept of missions according to your word, God, I pray that we'll be open to seeing things in a new way. I pray that we'll be open to uh, being ready to learn, learn your way. Speak through us, speak to us, 
God bless us as we go. I pray, God, that you'll, you'll draw back the curtains of our eyes and allow us to start seeing this world, this, this community, not the world, Lord, the community, our active everyday community as a mission field. And realize that those are people groups out there that have never heard. And change our heart and change our burden and our passion, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.